Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name's Matt Brusky, and no, I'm not calling from the 6A uh, infirmary. I'm calling from a car. Welcome to the Battleground podcast. We have our full panel, as always, which means Jorna Taylor is staring down Robert Craig. Jorna, welcome. Good morning. We miss you already, Matt. Oh, I can tell. And, and Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. And Robert Craig on the other side of the table is our executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. So, listeners, it is no shock to anyone. It is election season. We are, what, 11 days out, 12 days out, 10 days out. I don't know when you listen to this. But we are very close to the election, and I am traveling with our organizing director, Kevin Kane, up to Eau Claire to meet with Jeff Smith, our Western Wisconsin organizing uh, cooperative director to talk about our election program in Eau Claire. We'll talk more about that later in the podcast. But day panel, it's been uh, another fun week following the elections. And uh, sure enough, I couldn't help but notice this week Alberta Darling decided she was going to chime in on the election race and add some excellent insight. I thought you might have some thoughts on Alberta and, and the election news this week. Well, I have lots of thoughts on the senator from River Hills, um, but I'll, I'll try and keep these particular thoughts related to what she, uh, her undying, unwavering support for his orangeness this week. Um, so she was on Mike Couchet's program a few days ago, and when she was asked on Sunday about Trump's policies and how that may or may not align with women, uh, she actually said this, quote, when you listen to the policy discussions, the policy discussions, mind you, that Trump has, he is on point with what women want. I'd just like to sidebar for a second and say I'm pretty sure that, one, Donald Trump doesn't really have any policy stances other than wrong and no and nasty woman. Um, but two, I'm pretty sure Wisconsin women are not aligning with sexual assault and um, taking away their rights and staying home barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Just saying. Wrong. 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 Yeah, yeah Jordan. This this was quite shocking. You didn't even bring up the fact that she mentioned he was on point. I don't believe he's ever been on point about anything. There's so much to unpack, not only in that quote, but uh, she also talked about somehow that Ivanka trunk, I believe, there's that, that she obviously, clearly, because she's poised, intelligent. Right and capable. Yeah, right, which I think most people would agree she's... Uh, obviously a very successful individual, it's only because she had a strong father, which is unbelievable. You know, I mean, she also says that, in my opinion, someone who lies about Benghazi to a mother who lost her soldier in battle, um, that's really sig a significant consideration uh, versus, you know, somebody who is in that, which is all a lie, as we well know, um, you know, versus somebody who runs around saying they're going to grab women by the pussy. Just saying. Well, she actually used some very strange language. I encourage our listeners to look at the link. She actually called them soldier children or something. I'm, I've yeah. never actually quite heard the term other than used to describe children who were abducted and turned into soldiers. It was it was a very strange interview, to say the least, Jordan. Listen, the Stepford wife from River Hills, you know, the Botox might be going to her brain. I just, I worry about, I worry about the senator. <laughs> Look, talked about Alberta Darling in the past, right? She was subject to one of the recalls. There was a lot of effort put into trying to 
uh, remove Alberta Darling. But this is someone who once upon a time had a reputation as a moderate or at least certainly as related to these kinds of issues being more thoughtful. And she has definitely been moving consistently for quite some time against that. But this is sort of like uh, Trump is the exclamation point on this complete change in the GOP. And she has clearly taken sides that I actually think might damage her in some ways, potentially with some voters who, even though as much as we find it hard to believe, still maybe hearken and believe Alberta has much more of a moderate position. This just uh, lays bare that. I think what Senator Darling is Exhibit A for right now is motivated partisan reasoning. So the arguments are so bad, not because she necessarily believes it, but because she is such a dyed-in-the-wool partisan, she is going to support the Republican standard bearer, and then she has to create justifications for doing so. And so it's more revealing of the weakness of the argument that can be made for Trump than anything else that this is what she comes up with. So really, this is about she already was going to support whoever the Republican nominee was, and then she has to independently, apparently, generate reasons. And so the reasons aren't what causes her to support Trump. So this is very revealing as far as how bad the arguments out there for Trump are, and in many ways how disorganized the campaign is, because you would think that kind of hack politicians like uh, Alberta Darling would be given talking points that would seem credible that she could read uh, in such situations. But in, in the absence of that, and that's what usually happens when the right is unified and it's running through why we have to take away collective bargaining rights or something like that, Alberta has the talking points worked out that she can utter reasonably well. In this case, we get to see her rat reasoning processes work out in all of their glory as she attempts to herself generate reasons that women should support Donald Trump. Well, obviously, uh, we'll continue to watch Alberta and everybody else and see how they try to deal with Donald Trump. Shorna, I want to get your thoughts. We've uh, obviously talked a lot about elections, voting, talked a lot in the past about the, the lawsuit that Citizen Action's involved in, and, and uh, those lawsuits produced expanded early voting, which a number of communities have taken advantage of, namely Milwaukee and Madison, and we're seeing record turnouts. Uh, Madison's already uh, set a record. We know Milwaukee is uh, doing extremely well. In Green Bay, it turns out that there was an effort to try to expand early voting and get a site at UW-Green Bay, but that was shot down by local officials. Jorna, tell us more. Uh, well, it was wrong. Just so we know, you know, we shouldn't expand early voting because it's wrong. And apparently in at in Green Bay, the um, elections commissioner, the clerk, said that it would help Democrats and therefore we shouldn't have a polling uh, early vote polling place on UW Green Bay's campus because, well, we just don't want to turn out them Democrats. That doesn't make any sense, right? They opened an early voting location. It's not just limited to students. Anyone could show up. I don't. It, it is my understanding that the state election commissions or what, whatever it's called now actually had some pretty strong words suggesting that uh, their rationale was complete, basically nonsense. Um, yeah, they absolutely did. And, it, you know, obviously, 
all early vote locations are open to anyone, um, but the implications that there are elected officials who are supposed to be protecting the integrity of our elections and ensuring open access to democracy for everybody are more worried about their partisanship and the the eventual outcome of the election and therefore are throwing up barriers. And, and that's really disappointing to see from somebody who we place trust in the election process. Not sure why we're surprised. Uh, it is established uh, Republican policy right now, and this was found in the voting rights lawsuit that we're involved with, with one Wisconsin Institute and others, uh, to reduce the voting of people who would vote Democratic. So be they minorities, be they students, uh, be they people with disabilities, etc., and that that's why the early voting restrictions that were struck down in court were put in place in the first place. So this kind of hapless city clerk is simply playing out uh, the string here and saying, well, we shouldn't do anything that might increase Democratic votes. And so we have such a polarized situation now that we have one party, one ideology right now that thinks it's okay to try to hold power based on limiting the votes of people who might vote against them. And fast forwarding, because we like to think about and talk about on the left the emerging American majority or the rising American electorate and all of this, what will the conservative movement, if this doesn't change, do to try to make sure that a, a white minority in a couple decades still holds power in this country? Because that this, this leads you towards the slippery slope towards apartheid if you play it out. So she's just doing what her betters in Madison and, and Governor Walker have already tried to do. Yeah, and a little geography lesson for some of our listeners who maybe don't live in Green Bay or know it very well. The university is not exactly like right in central Green Bay. It is way out on the eastern side of the city. In many ways, it would be a, an excellent spot for a location for the eastern part of Green Bay. So uh, it's just and, – and it's, it's important that this came to light because, as you said, Robert, the, this is just more proof – uh, about what all of this stuff is about. So uh, we do want to encourage everybody. Early voting uh, continues uh, this week and next week. So please get out, vote early. Let's uh, set some records and, and get out and vote early uh, before Election Day. It is worth pointing out that because of this lack of trust, that Robert, that you mentioned, uh, this week it was announced that Democrats, Wisconsin Democrats in Congress, uh, namely, Tammy Baldwin, Gwen Moore, and Ron Kind, uh, and Mark Pocan have basically sent a letter asking that the Justice Department help monitor our polls on Election Day because of the lack of credibility of our state institutions to oversee and monitor this election. This is, uh, this is, this is like nothing. It seems like, in some ways, nothing to us. Like, oh, yeah, sure, well, of course they would, but, like, Good Lord, right? This is where Wisconsin is right now. Well, I have to say, Matt, that, you know, folks who know me know that my passion on Election Day and the thing that I prefer to be doing is running around in the voter protection program, whether that be for the partisan side, um, but usually it's for the nonpartisan efforts. And I, I always have, as much as I enjoy doing it, I always have a feeling of 
disappointment that there is the necessity to have teams of lawyers and teams of highly skilled and highly trained uh, folks out there on election day to troubleshoot. And we're going to see a lot of intimidation and shenanigans, I think, this year because Donald Trump has been harping on this message of rigged elections for so long. And how how, how much closer can the people disrupting elections uh, stand like now? three feet. Because the legislature thinks that they have First Amendment rights to disrupt other people's constitutional right. rights. You know, it's all so ridiculous. And so it's just a it's a really unfortunate situation. And, and let's be very clear. Um, this this sort of voter intimidation is not happening at my parents' location in Jacksonport, Door County. This is happening in Milwaukee. Um, you know, particularly in African-American and Latino wards. This is happening in places where there are a lot of students in Madison and Eau Claire and Green Bay and places like that. It's happening where the right thinks that there is going to be a lot of um, Democratic turnout. So it's just upsetting. <laughs> I've got nothing else. You have the full rights of American citizens that we'll protect as long as you vote for us. Right. I, I believe that's somewhere in the Federalist Papers. Isn't um, it? I'll have to ask the is. Federalist Society. I would say that there is still an opportunity for folks who have not committed to do anything on Election Day. There is still a chance for you to get involved with voter protection. Uh, you can do it for the Democrats. You can do it for the nonpartisan folks. Um, if you email us here at Citizen Action, we can get you that information. Obviously, folks, the best way we can fight this situation at the polls is Get out, vote early, and then get out and help folks on Election Day. We'll talk more about volunteering opportunities later in the podcast. But, Robert, I really need to get your comments on Ron Johnson. He's saying some crazy stuff again. Uh, please uh, enlighten our audience what Ron Johnson's been up to this week. Well, people can watch the entire hour at uh interview with the Milwaukee Journal editorial board for a lot of things, including his incredible hatred of Russ Feingold. There's some uh, moments there where he gets quite uh, agitated. But I'm going to focus in on, and on minimum wage and things like that. But I'm going to focus in on health care. Uh, he was talking about why we need to appeal the, appeal the Affordable Care Act and why it's a disaster and it's in a death spiral, as he's been saying in the debates and as his ads attacking Russ Feingold are talking about. And he, again, fell back on his business experience. And what he explained is, is that it's totally unfair to say that people were having their policies canceled. He says they are one-year contracts, and the health insurance companies just choose not to renew people who come down with diseases like cancer. And he said that in his experience, uh, with his group policy, group health insurance policy, when someone came down with cancer or something like that, the insurance company would just laser them out of the policy and that you need to do that because otherwise everyone else have to pay a lot more. The insurance companies don't cancel you. The insurance company would do something called laser. You know, they laser somebody out. Okay, so we're getting into the whole problem that uh, how do we cover people who, who you know, have cancer, have breast cancer or lung cancer or any major disease, right? And that would be unfair to those people. So you laser them out, and then they'll be fine because they'll be in the high-risk pool. So literally he was defending the idea that we should essentially discriminate, right, and that it's okay to put people off to the side who happen to be unfortunate enough to get a major disease, a major illness, be diagnosed with cancer, uh, but then the other weird part is he says it will all be fine because 
we could we need to put money into the high risk pools so that the insurance is affordable. So it sounds like a lot like the Affordable Care Act. And the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Turtle Board was confused by this and was asking, did the high risk pools work? Or and he goes, the mistake was we didn't have a mechanism uh, to to share risk so that money was taken from everyone and put in to make it affordable. Well, guess what? That's the idea behind the Affordable Care Act. And is he really supporting giant? taxes to make uh, insurance affordable for all people with pre-existing conditions that would be broad-based? Because that's what he seems to be saying. So it's a question now. I mean, it's in, you could argue it's incoherent and that the <laughs> idea of lasering people out is offensive. So we could just stop I'd there. Like I'd like to argue it's incoherent, Robert. But I'd also like to say that it's an interesting moment, and I'm going to write about this in our blog, where the right is now positioning itself as the defenders of affordable health care, and they're outraged, outraged, outraged that rates are up, right? So the question is, but they also want to get rid of the subsidies. For example, in Wisconsin, people don't pay the sticker price. The people who are in the market, Affordable Correct Marketplace, the exchanges, right, uh, that 70% of them pay $100 or less and 60% pay $50 or less because of the tax credits in the Affordable Care Act. So $720 million this year of tax credits. We appeal the Affordable Care Act. People don't have those. How do conservatives propose to make health care affordable and get rid of the menace of rising rates, which they're now claiming uh, is their major concern? Their, their conservative, quote-unquote, free market policies be so, so successful, they need to make up for all the tax credits Plus, they have to make sure someone has someone else, so everyone has some place to go, and it's unclear how this would happen exactly. Uh, what we're learning from Ron Johnson is if you could buy across state lines and buy substandard lemon policies, that's what Trump is pushing as well, all would be well. So it's a fascinating kind of moment where we're getting to listen to the contradictions in conservative health policy, but they're actually trying to, you could argue this is against their values, right, by trying to, because they're so heck bent on attacking Obamacare, they're positioning themselves as the defenders of guaranteed access to affordable health care, which is a bizarre situation, which may not be to their long-term advantage, one could argue, especially if we're smart enough to figure that out. I just have a question. How do you think these insurance companies laser people out? Do they have like laser eyes? Do they use a laser pointer on the documents? I'm pretty excited about how we laser people out. They use laser cats. Laser cats. You should have looked at how confused David Haynes and Dan Bice and George Stanley and all the folks at the Journal Center would look during this. It is a good 10-minute conversation of Ron Johnson's vision and theory of health policy. It I was kind of bizarre. I wonder if these laser cats are increasing my premiums because, I mean, there's like food and housing for laser cats and, you know, research tech. Anyway, I digress. He's ridiculous. He's absolutely ridiculous. He, you know, the double speak, the... The incoherent ramblings of a madman in many ways, and not even madman, the incoherent ramblings of somebody who doesn't understand policy and serves in the United States Senate is appalling. But don't worry, you know, he doesn't want Russ Feingold with his, you know, highfalutin degrees to be representing all of us up there in Washington, D.C. Well, that was some of the bashing. He went to Oxford. He went to the Ivy League. Right. He's not a regular Wisconsinite like I am when I was washing dishes and working two jobs to get through college. Oh, God. Self-made man and, and who married mess. someone who owned a manufacturing company. So, Matt and Jorna, that's actually a really good transition to the big news of the week, uh, the Affordable Care Act rates for people on the individual market, people who buy insurance on their own. So there are screaming headlines about the disaster 
of a 24% premium increase, which is not good and not helpful and something, and we, of course, think healthcare is unaffordable, uh, even with the Affordable Care Act, and it didn't go far enough. We need to take the next steps of uh, towards reform. And as I mentioned with Johnson, uh, it is kind of odd to hear see conservatives positioning themselves as defender of a, defenders of guaranteed affordable health care, which I would love to believe they meant, because then we could actually make a lot of progress in this country. But I have not quite there yet uh, in believing that. But if you look at the actual numbers, if you get in Wisconsin, you get beyond the headlines. Uh, deductibles actually went down substantially. Deductibles went down 15.63%, which means anyone's actually using their health policy, if you add the numbers up, as our own Kevin Kane, who's our numbers wonk, actually did, would be paying less for their health care. So don't take this as meaning I think everything's great. I think we need to be uh, dealing with, with prescription drug corporation price gouging, with there, there being no ability right now to, uh, to deal with overcharging and for medical services in general and huge increases each and every year. Uh, but we're not doing that because conservatives just want to repeal the Affordable Care Act, and that's the extent of their health policy, and they're obstructing everything else. Um, if we want to be rational actors about this, and we rarely are as a society currently, we're not very evidence-based, um, we should think about if the premiums are going up more than we would like for the group of people who used to face discrimination, the people on the individual market here, the people who have pre-existing conditions, the people who don't have an em employer that gives them good insurance, farmers, contractors, early retirees, you name it. Uh, if this group is being undermined, in part they're being undermined because insurance industry, the big players, are pulling out of the marketplace, not because it's bad, but because it has too many sick people, and so they want to go other places in the market where they can just insure healthy people. So it's their pullout is not some proof of conservative arguments, which is what conservatives say. It's proof that the insurance companies have not abandoned their old business model. They're still trying to not insure sick people and that we need to stop that. And so the rational thing to do would be to figure out how to prevent that from happening. And as Johnson seemed to be saying, Ron Johnson, have everyone pay in to cover everyone so that we can spread the risk, uh, which is something uh, we totally agree with. It's too bad Ron Johnson won't sponsor any bills that actually do that. Robert, you, you lay out a... Um, a case that, you know, we should insure sick people, which I don't really understand. It's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. Um, but where 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 are the candidates on this? I know I know that Donald Trump, his orangeness, has extensive policy laid out about this, and I've I've read all of it at length. But what about what about Hillary? Was that like a that was a, a one minute read? Well, I saw it on his Twitter account, yeah. so... It fits into one tweet, exactly. And it was like, you know, Obamacare wrong, nasty women shouldn't get health care. Yes, and we heard Ron Johnson saying, for example, that he doesn't need maternity coverage. Sad. By the way, let me just point out with that particular attack... Uh, that the right likes to repeat over and over again, which tells you how much good faith there probably is here. It suggests the insurance industry is not smart enough to look at the genders and ages of their population and figure out which people in their po in it, who they are insuring might actually have children. So the idea that they're pricing in Ron Johnson's childbirth uh, is unlikely. Ron and Johnson's if it is, childbirth. And if God, it is, modern it, medical miracles. You know those laser cats? They're really astounding. And if it is, it calls for an investigation. But so I just want to say, because I was on the Democratic Platform Committee for Bernie and involved deeply in the negotiations over the health care platform, that Hillary has very strong health care positions and that she would move on a, on a robust public option. 
She would move on prescription drug costs and negotiate using our leverage to negotiate with them and capping excessive rates. And she would and she would also allow states to experiment with doing their own single payer plans, which is the way it's ever going to spread in this country. So I think that there that quite frankly, we know that she has a long term interest in health care, that she uh, crafted the uh, the ill-fated Clinton plan. And then when that failed, she had not give up and did the child health insurance program, the CHIP program. So I think that there is a good chance in the first 100 days that we can start to do what we ought to have been doing all along, and that is build on the Affordable Care Act. Of course, the question will be whether Speaker Ryan will still be there uh, to, to offer his versions of, of what we talked about with Ron Johnson earlier. Uh, dude, you teed me up for Ryan Watch. Um, but first, I the first 100 days are for one thing and one thing only, no matter who is in the presidency, and that is to repeal Obamacare and kick people off health care. I thought it was in the first afternoon. There's some jokes about That's how many true. things Trump is going to have to do. He's going to a lot. The Iran deal needs, as Brian's telling us, the Iran deal needs to be canceled. Obamacare needs to be repealed. So Congress must come into quick session, I guess, in order to do that, unless, of course... His orangeness is suspending the Constitution and doing it unilaterally. Well, there's probably some Supreme Court justices to appoint to repeal Roe v. Wade. Yeah, there's a lot to do. There's it's... getting the nuclear suitcase into his hands. Oh, good God. Busy. Busy day. Busy day. So I Sorry. mentioned so Paul Ryan. Mentioned I think Paul you Ryan. have Paul Ryan news. Oh, God. Paul Ryan. Poor Paul Ryan. Um, so there's, there's two things today, and I'm going to save my favorite for last, because the first actually makes me a little... Um, it makes me shudder inside. Uh, so poor Paul Ryan and poor other Republicans are already being attacked as potential by Democrats as potential Clinton 2020 challengers. A little Marco is in that mix. Um, <laughs> Pence is in that mix. But his hands are big. <laughs> yes, his hands are <laughs> his hands are big. <laughs> Um, but poor Paul Ryan is being attacked as it, it, preemptive strikes are starting against 2020 presidential uh, campaign challengers. And uh, as somebody who has worked two presidential campaigns, could we just could we just get through November 8th before we start worrying about 2020? I, it's it's ridiculous. So so that's that's the story of that day. But there is something else happening, and it makes me so happy inside. It, I mean, I had numerous friends send me the press release and articles about this. Um, Robert, did you know, I did not know this, but did you know that you do not need to be a member of Congress to serve as Speaker of the House of Representatives? I actually did know that. Of course yes. you did. Ugh. And there's also, <laughs> there, it also would be possible for the Vice President to actually participate in debates in the U.S. Senate, if senators would let them, right, presides listen. over it. All right, so I'm talking to the wrong person. But listeners, right. did you know that you do not have to be? And this is something that I didn't know. So Paul Ryan coming under fire from the Freedom Caucus, and there's a lot of talk that, you know, he's not going to be the speaker. That's a pretty strong possibility. Do you have a candidate? I have a candidate. Mm. A candidate that has declared. A candidate that is from Wisconsin. A candidate that you all may know also shares the same first name as the speaker. Paul Nalen is back. Paul Nalen, you may remember him from such um, primaries as running against Paul Ryan in the first congressional district this well. cycle. Uh, you may also remember him from the 
infamous Truth Resurrection video. So the tattooed arm wrestling wonder has declared that he is running for Speaker of the House. Amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I want to go vote for him somehow. Give him money. I don't know. Well, I do see Ryan's under a lot of pressure. Apparently, Sean Hannity. Oh, is Sean Hannity also running? <laughs> no, that great statesmanly leader of the conservative movement uh, is bashing Paul Ryan as a as a fake conservative and as someone who needs to be done away with, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, and, and it's been marvelous. By the way, he's better at motivated reasoning than Alberta Darling, I'll stipulate. <laughs> So he's been gener- Most people are. <laughs> generating through his propaganda brilliance, uh, nightly defenses of his orangeness. Uh, but he is certainly very much against Paul Ryan now, and he has a large audience uh, for the time being. Well, and the Freedom Caucus is obviously going after Ryan for his clear running away from Trump and the, you know, under the guise of, I'm just trying to make sure we keep our majority and have a strong public policy agenda, which, you know, is not anything that Donald Trump cares about ever. (laughs) I believe Paul Ryan's political strategy must come down to this, that Trump is going to lose so badly that he'll be so discredited that all of these problems will will be dramatically reduced after the election, that this will be Barry Goldwater on steroids, right? And everyone will run away, uh, or McGovern on the on the other side, right? And so, but it, it, we'll see if that even, here's the problem. I'm not sure, like, any realities like this chasten the Freedom Caucus. In fact, the Freedom Caucus is going to believe uh, that it was rigged. In fact, if it's, a, if it's a huge historic loss, then that will be proof it was rigged because there's no way that Donald Trump lost by these margins. There's no way Donald Trump lost Texas or Georgia. No, it's all rigged. It's all rigged. It's a self-referential argument, so it's impervious to any outside information, right? It could, it could explain everything. Um, it also probably what, – what's the group of people, Jorna? You may not be on top of this who claim that space aliens have already taken over. Oh, yeah, Robert, I hang out with them No, no, a lot. The, the, this InfoWars <laughs> thing that, that a lot of Trump supporters uh, follow. Apparently they're, tin, they're – The tin hat people. Apparently there are lizard aliens that are actually in control already. So anyway, who knew? I, I learned it on Rachel Maddow. All right. We want to strongly encourage our listeners, now that we are less than two weeks out from the election, to get out this weekend and volunteer. Now, listen, most people do not get up every Saturday morning and go, hey, what what do I want to do? I want to go knock some doors. So I understand that it's not something we're all inclined to do and love to do, but it's really important work. It matters tremendously, particularly in some of these local races, but it matters in for, for Russ Feingold and for Hillary Clinton. And so I want to encourage you to get out and volunteer this weekend. And I wanted to, uh, of course, talk a little bit about our deep canvases that we're doing around the economy and talking to independent voters and voters who are definitely going to go vote in this election but don't know a lot about these assembly candidates. So we're doing that in Eau Claire. and really want to encourage people to get involved in that. And we will be uh, working this weekend at a Grace Lutheran Church uh, in Eau Claire. And if you want some details on that, please contact me at matt.rusky, B-R-U-S-K-Y, at citizenactionwi.org. If you're in the Milwaukee area, we are working down in the 21st Assembly District, where we're really trying to help uh, cooperative member Jack Redman, also uh, doing work for Russ Feingold and Hillary Clinton. So if you're interested in that work, you can also contact me or just show up at Barbier's Pizza uh, in South Milwaukee. We'll have all the details on our website, 
but I also wanted to mention uh, some cooperative members of ours who are doing some work for Joe Huftel and reached out to me this week and said, hey, give us a shout-out on the podcast for some of the work we're doing to help Joe Huftel, who's running, I believe, in Assembly District 75. And so there's some work going on in Rice Lake. I want to let people know, if you live in the Rice Lake area, uh, 9 a.m. on Saturday, 16 West John Street in Rice Lake, folks are getting together to go out canvassing in Barron and in Cameron. And uh, apparently Senator Chris Coons from Delaware is going to be there at lunch at noon, so folks get out there, and they'll be there again on Sunday, meeting at noon, uh, going out from noon to 3.30 up until the Packer game. So if you want to help Joe Hupto, get out and do that. There's obviously a lot of other opportunities, and we want to encourage people to, to get out. So, Jordan, what are you uh, what are you doing this weekend around the elections? <laughs> uh, spending time with my mother, who is going to be in town, and we, I'm sure we will talk a lot about the elections, but I'm going to spend an extended weekend with Mom. Very nice. Hey, Robert, how about yourself? I'm going to be doing the deep canvas in South Milwaukee and Oak Creek, of course. Yeah, I look forward to joining. I've been out for the last couple of weeks and have missed the canvas, but uh, uh, really great conversations and uh, look forward to doing that again. Nine o'clock, we'll be meeting in South Milwaukee at Barbier's Pizza. So anything else, Robert, if uh, this weekend uh, when you're not doing your political work do you have any anything on the calendar this weekend uh saturday night you're gonna go out uh what's uh what's going on what's going on is the world series matt and the uh oh that was serious and the <laughs> first time in 71 years the cubs have been in the world series and if they win the world series it'll be the first time in 108 years in fact the last time they won it they were not yet in wrigley field wrigley field, they did not go to wrigley field until Yes. So that takes precedent over all else. That makes sense. And for folks who don't know, Robert is a long-suffering Cubs fan, grew up in the Chicago area, and Cubs have always been a team. So uh, I must admit, I I have this feeling of appreciation for the Cleveland Indians. I hope the Indians do well, but I I, got to say, I'll I'll hand hand it to Cubs fans. that's a lot of suffering. It makes Cleveland suffering seem small. So, Jordan, you'll be with your mother this weekend, it sounds like. I will. So one, uh, one furlough somewhat related thing that we didn't mention is, is that our friends, the Devil's Advocates, uh, were yeah. canceled without warning uh, today, um, this week, and they have 10 days left, even though they had just uh, succeeded in going national on 20 stations, so they're looking for another station. It's unclear because iHeartRadio will not uh, respond to any press co- uh, questions, whether this was a local or a national decision. It may well be the national corporate decision, which is, all, and they've been supporters of our, radio, of our um, radioactive project, but there's all the more reason we need to band together and make sure we have a permanent capacity to put pressure on these stations and to demand balance, because obviously this is a show with very good ratings in the Madison area, which is doing well enough to go national, and yet all of a sudden they pull the plug without warning, which tells you that the fix is in, and it's our public airwaves. So we'll give more information, but we're on the home stretch of our radioactive campaign to build the permanent capacity to break the right-wing media monopoly. Obviously, the loss of any, and I don't think it's a permanent loss, but it's temporary, of any progressive voice, which is so limited in radio right now, is is devastating and, and should be of great concern to all our listeners. 
Absolutely. Uh, let's let's hope maybe maybe they could get a shot here. Uh, here, there's an opening in Milwaukee Talk Radio. So, who knows? They're actively uh, pursuing uh, additional stations. They need a flagship station. They have 20 stations nationally that'll take the show. So, I think that it's a question of how good a station. I assume these guys will will get a station, but it'd be nice if if people could hear it. Yeah, well, 620, I hear they uh, proclaim themselves a flagship station. So, hey, folks, over there at 620, uh, there's a a group who understands uh, Wisconsin politics. uh, Go hire them. Um, I, too, Jorna, will be spending some time with my mother this weekend, Saturday evening. She is in town. haven't seen her in a couple of months, so looking forward to spending time with Alice Berman Brusky. Mom, looking forward to it. I know she listens to podcasts every week because that's what all good conservatives do. So with that, is she a Trump that, voter, Matt? With that, I what's that, Robert? You got more? Yeah. Is your mom a Trump voter? Uh, you know what? I haven't breached that. I don't think so. I know one of my other Republican siblings has come out publicly on Facebook against Trump. Um, she lives on the East Coast and has is a lifetime Republican and says some actually uh, things that I find quite awful, that she even finds Donald Trump too much and will not be voting for Trump. But I don't know about my mom. I look forward to asking her. I I think she might be voting for Clinton. We'll have to see. I don't know. Uh, it'll It's it's worth uh, finding out. I'll report back next weekend, Robert. Very good. So with, so with that, again, folks, get out and volunteer this weekend. Knock some doors. Make some phone calls. Get a part of this democracy, and if you haven't, get out and vote early so you can help folks on Election Day. As always, we want to thank Brian Wildridge, our producer who makes the podcast happen every week. We thank you very much, Brian, and we'll talk to everybody next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.